Father, thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. Thank you, Father, for blessing us, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for love. Thank you, Father God, for the body. Thank you, Father God, Lord Jesus, that you are still head of your church, that you never forget us. Thank you, Jesus, Father God, that we can trust you with our lives, Father. Father, as we discuss calling and purpose, Father God, I pray that you would illuminate us, that you would reveal to us truth. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, speak through us. And Father, any person that is listening to this, Father, may they be equipped in the name of Jesus. May they get something today. May they glean, Father God, from this field called Warren, this field called Shoal, this field called Nicholas. Father God, may everything that we do be to the glory of your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate you. And I really appreciate that you have tuned in and that you are listening to us from wherever you are from. God bless you. I've invited two of my favorite people. Um, one is more important than the other, but I'll, I won't say who so that they will fig, try to figure that out. And we want to conclude and we want to, in the conclusion, rather says, if I could put it that way, because I've concluded a couple of times this series on calling and purpose. And I called in these two guys because they have very different kind of callings in their lives. They operate very differently in the kingdom. One does a better job than the other, but I won't point out who. But uh, I'm, I'm very excited to have uh, my brother in Christ, Joel, before he became my brother-in-law. So I just always remind him of that when he acts like the devil. And then I have one of my Favorite guys, Warren Peters, uh, a.k.a. Apostle Peters, uh, <laughs> um, who, who is still trying to find his way. <laughs> so uh, I've just invited them, guys. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us as we're discussing Calling and Purpose. And I want to kick this off by saying, how do you guys know whether you're called or not? And uh, how did that journey happen for you when you discovered it? So I'll, I think I'll start off with Warren. Yeah, and I think that's also on Shell's still trying to find himself. Yeah, I think um, I heard someone preach this and they said that you either know or you don't. Wow. And I think that um, you need to, there's almost like uh, inside your heart, like an awareness and knowing that God has purposed you, he has called you for more. And it's almost like there's a seeking, just like, you know, the, the word says that um, God has written his law upon our hearts, mm. that we do not need anyone to teach us. We have the Holy Spirit as our teacher yeah. and he leads us into all truth. And I think when you, when you come to Christ, obviously your first calling is to come to know Christ. Mm. Your first calling is to know him, to come into salvation. And I think once that happens and you receive the Holy Spirit, you there is an awareness that God has purposed and called you for more, mm. that there is something that is happening on, uh, in this period of time that you are here on earth and God wants to establish his kingdom and there is a role for you to play. Mm. And I think there's almost like an internal something happening inside where the, where the Holy Spirit is leading you into this truth. And then obviously it's confirmed in different ways, whether it's through um, someone giving you a prophetic word yeah. or, you know, something being placed in your heart, a passion, a stirring, yeah. a drawing of something. You, you almost like a, a natural inclination towards something, a talent, something like that. Normally your talents and your giftings will align with, with that. So yeah. yeah, for me, that that's just kind of. That's, that's something interesting. Before Shaw gets into this, what do you say to people that, and maybe I'll, I'm going to swing it over to Shaw. You know, he's getting a bit nervous here. Like, what questions am I going to ask next? But how do you, what do you say to people that don't have what Warren's talking about? What, what do you say to people that don't have the clarity in saying, 
I mean, I love the statement that you just made. You're either called or you're not, you know, knowing that. Yeah. What happens if you sit in the middle? Let me ask that. So, so what happened for, for me, which is cool, which is not what happened for Warren, is that um, God has got a purpose and calling for everyone. And what's nice is that even when you don't know what you're putting in, according to purposes is that God is actually busy in the background, mm. even though you might not be aware of it. It's not that he's, he's, he's not mm. doing uh, what he wants you to, to, to actually do. So for me, for example, um, I didn't know that I was called to the corporate world yet. My, my, my background is finance. My background is, is tax. And I just found myself in the corporate world. Is it bad luck? Definitely not. Mm. It's not that I knew God spoke to me and said, yeah. I knew or I didn't know that I was called. He just placed me there without me even knowing until the time that I realized this is where God wanted me yeah. to actually be. So even if God doesn't speak to you directly or you are not sure, know that you are called and know that he is working in the background um, to place you because we are placed. That's where he wants you to actually be. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm just thinking of Matthew, the tax collector, like when Jesus walked past the tables and be like, yo, Shoal. <laughs> Every time I read that, I'm like, yeah, this is Shoal. You know, he's, he's a tax. I think for me, what what is what I love, it, it, that scripture in Jeremiah, what you're referring to, almost like what both of you are referring to in the sense that you are called, you just don't maybe know that you're called. But there is definitely a call that went out. And then mm-hmm. Jeremiah, where it says that uh, in your mother's womb, I formed you. Yes. Mm. in your mother's womb I knew you I called yeah, I you, you before, yeah. you know like I saw you I, I like how that scripture says in John chapter number one where Jesus says to Nathan he says to him I saw you under the fig tree now if you know Israel anyway that you will know that uh, there are more fig trees there than there are rocks in the western and uh, and so for him to have said that is not really prophetic um, but to say I saw you under the fig tree that when Adam clothed himself in the fig tree mm. that when when the minute that he did that god's like i saw you in that mm. i saw you under that sure you know you almost think of that way in terms of interpreting scripture but i don't know you know maybe Nathan was chilling under a fig tree and he was <laughs> like you know maybe fishing or something <laughs> um but talk a little bit more about your calling in terms of corporate in terms of how did you discover that and how do you live out your christianity there and the pressures that go with it so i think it's important to realize that um that kingdom is not just a, a place at a church. It's not mm. just um, we go to on a Sunday. It is really you are the kingdom and, and God needs people in the corporate world. God needs people um, in government. And, and, and the way God has designed me, my makeup and the way I think, my passions, my desires. I love finance. I love tax. I, that's what I enjoy. That's my makeup. And I just know that God opened up the doors for me to, to be at the place where I'm at. And, and that's just what I believe. I didn't identify a need in the kingdom, but God, but God did. And so for me, it's you know, in the place that I'm at, what does he specifically want me to do? Because um, my calling is for the corporate world. Um, I'm not called to stand on a Sunday in a pulpit and preach the, the word. But if there's a need, the person has to service that that need but but i'm called to corporate world that's just what i believe that's what i'm called and and um, people in the corporate world need jesus <laughs> um money will test your allegiance i can tell you that right now and uh, and people really do need need jesus i think it's important that where you are placed like you need to ask jesus 
what is your role, especially in, like for me, in a corporate world? Is it to pray for people? Is it strategy or influence? Because you said something interesting in your sermons where you said that um, God has a calling for South Africa. He has a calling for you. He has a calling, for example, for, for, for the place that I work at. Plus, he has a calling for, they say, and he's strategic. So where he places you, you need to influence. Mm. What is Charles calling specifically at the place that he's called me at? Mm. Um, it can't just be to pray for people. Yeah. It can't be limited to that. It might be in the season, but, but there might be a bigger or a longer season. Mm. And, uh, and, and your calling grows. And so what is God trying to do? That, that he wants to move you mm. into what he wants to actually do with your life. Because when we worked together, actually, we worked in the corporate world. That's how we know each other as well. That's how we met. And there was this one person that worked with us, Penny Cass. And uh, I loved how she was crazy. You know, so I'm going you know, to naturally love her because she's crazy. But uh, shout out to Penny if you ever listen to this. <laughs> I love you. So, but Penny, Penny who said this, it was very interesting to me. She said this like, we've got to pray about what we do. And I'm kind of like, because she was Christian. And I'm like, what? Like to me, prayer was like what you do in church and, you know, what you do with more serious things, not like your job, because I didn't take my job very seriously, you know. But <laughs> it's like, uh, like everybody's stressing about, oh, we're not going to meet this deadline. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I care about Jesus. I care about the kingdom. You know, I don't care about that deadline. Who saws? You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like uh, for me, um, but but when Penny was like really praying, and I remember the one time she said this, and I, I found a problem when we were looking at a system that we were busy implementing, and she said this, uh, when I found the solution, and Charles still asked me, he said, how did you know that? I had no background. I was not as, you know, I didn't have the benefit of academia as what Charles did. But, um, and then Penny just answered and she said, it was wisdom. Yes. It was godly wisdom. Yes. And you've got to pray for that. I'm yes. like, I'm not going to pray for wisdom for work. I'm going to pray for wisdom for, you know, the church and for the kingdom of God, for the people of God. And I think it's so vitally important that you care enough about your organization, that you understand what God's intent is with your organization and, and position yourself and how you play to that role yes. in terms of where God wants to take that organization. And then say, I contributed to that because mm. my organization is called because Per, per the tax and, and per business is that when you register a, a company, that person that becomes a legal entity by itself, yeah. you know, it's not a natural person in the sense of it as, you know, created the image and likeness of God, obviously, but it's still a person. So that function, that, that organization has a specific task and God wants to use that organization to be able to do something for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Mm. And I think when we are positioned into that, it, it helps uh, you know, live out what God has called us for and what God has purposed for us. But I want to go over to Warren before we talk about the pressures and organizations you've made mention about you're either called or you're not. Was that for you the same case? You knew? Um, so I was thinking more in lines of uh, people going into full-time ministry. And that, like I said, it's, it's something I heard someone say. Mm. Uh, but it definitely wasn't something where I was just like, I know. It, like I said earlier, it was. It's Did you like have a, that burning bush experience where you're like, we, we God no. spoke to you and said, Moses, take off your. You know. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish he did. Um, no, for me, it was, like I said earlier, it was, it's like an inclination, it's a knowing. Yeah. Um, one day um, in youth ministry, uh, we were all a bunch of youth leaders heading up the youth ministry, and um, we each got given five minutes to talk. 
on a certain topic. And so we were all sitting in front of the youth ministry and everyone went and I was like, I was lost. I was lost to go uh, or second last, something like that. And everyone goes and they're talking and one guy who, who we know, uh, Yuhu, uh, <laughs> much love for you, Yuhu, and uh, really glad that you're about to get married, dude. Um, but he was and he was talking about dating and how there's no such thing as dating in the Bible and you must just get married. And I was like, my man, you're talking to teenagers. What do you mean? Bro? <laughs> and you could see everyone just falling asleep and like being so annoyed after. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are wasting their time. They're never going to come back. And I don't know what happened, but the next minute the mic landed up in my hands and this fire just popped up and I just started speaking and I didn't even know time. I didn't know nothing. Everyone was just sitting and answering questions. I stood up and I was walking up and down and I, all this passion just came out. But it wasn't like, in no way was I thinking about myself. I was just thinking about God's heart and how he wants to reach these people and no one is doing it yeah. in like the way that they are needing right now. Yeah. And it just happened in a moment. And since then, I just got this passion for, for ministry and for youth ministry and just being aware of God's heart, reaching people. And I don't know, for me, I've just always been passionate about Jesus. Jesus is pretty much the only thing I can talk about. Um, and, I, and I love it. And I love him. So it, it, like, it almost flows out. So I think what I was saying is your passion, your inclinations, kind of what you align to, kind of points, it gives you a direction as to what you are called to. Like for you with finance and, and work and all of that stuff. I'm thinking of Romans 8 verse 28 that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes, that they are his purposes. Yeah. And so where he places you, it's all for his purpose. Mm. And I think sometimes we become very individual, individualistic yes. uh, and very like, yeah, but my purpose, my calling. No, it's his purpose. Yeah. He's calling you to fit into something that he's doing in the earth. Mm. He's establishing his kingdom. He's advancing his kingdom, whether it's through your business or, or that company, can you come alongside and co-labor with what his kingdom is? Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. That's very important. I think for us, it's very important for us to know that you are called. There must be a knowing that you are called. I mm. think it's very important. I think it's very important that you need to invest in the time to understand that I'm called and understand that God is bigger than the world that you live in mm. or that the world you give him to live in. You know, one of the earlier sessions when we were ministering and talking about calling and purpose, the thing that, that, that really stood out for me was the fact that God will work in the framework that you give him. And if you think that God's calling and purpose is only for a platform, and I think that's mm. where the church got it wrong as well, is that when we talk about calling, we, and, I, and I grew up almost with this understanding of when somebody's doing something for God and they're operating in a particular anointing or gifting, that someone will say, oh, that guy's called. And not understanding that it, the calling is a little bit bigger than just you manifesting in some gifting that God's yes. given you. And yeah, the calling is bigger than just... Uh, that's the, when the guy comes to a platform and he's a man of the cloth. Now, all of a sudden, there's this, you know, he's called. Calling happens, I think, in all of us. You know, yes. in all of us, God has purposed yes. something. And I think that is vitally important for you to understand. And I think just to, just to add to what you're saying, Nick, is that I think that's a big problem with, um, with the church is that so many people don't know that they are called um, because they think that only those who, who are in the fivefold mm. are actually called because you go to church and that's the people are, who are in the front are, yeah. are, are called. And when you ask people, what do you believe the calling is on your life? They 
look like like reindeers in a in a headlight because they don't know and they've never known that because there's this misnomer it's only the fivefold that are called but it's yeah, not yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, someone once said this to me, he was busy studying for his degree and he's busy studying marketing. And uh, we had one night where, you know, we were busy praying for people and Holy Spirit was busy moving and it was powerful. And I kind of fell into this thing of just speaking about, you know, calling and you are called for ministry. And, you know, you we puff it up to such a high thing that it's almost so unattainable, so far, like, godly if you know what i'm trying yeah, to say it's like, like you even at your best efforts you fail yeah you're you not good enough yeah you're not good enough it's <laughs> you are not righteous enough we yes. take it away from you, you you are not a part of the cloth yeah if you know what i mean yeah. and i think uh and jesus wasn't like that no uh, he, he rebuked the pharisees for being like Come that on. and we need to remember that Come on. and um this person said so, to me so am i do i not have a calling um what mm. because am i doing something wrong and it was a whole process of actually dealing with this person and trying to encourage them to you know, finish your degree because that would, that's what God has called you to. And, and that's so true. This person has a business mindset. This person is called for marketing. You know this person. <laughs> Trust me. This person is called marketing. And um, just the way that they think, you can see that God has made them think in such a way to align them yeah. with the calling that he has for them in the business world, in the marketing world. And uh, one thing that they understand is that money kind of causes the wheels to turn. Mm. And so what I believe for this person is that they are called to business because part of what they're going to do is get finances for the advancements of the kingdom in whatever way. Maybe they are called to influence branding and marketing yeah. in a Christian way to stop anything that the enemy is doing through marketing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, stop so that much... Illuminati signs and Freemason yeah. signatures and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. And kind of do, you know, influence in that area, in that yeah. sphere of life for the kingdom, that God's kingdom would advance there. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they, in terms of church, they believe that they want to give into something that the church is busy doing. Mm. That's also a way that they are living out what God has called for them. And I think that it's, it's so much more than just the separation of the fivefold is here yeah. and everyone else doesn't have a calling. Your calling as an HR administrator, as a marketing campaign, whatever, Man. is just as important yeah. As someone who's called to be an apostle, mm. it is that Paul writes and he says, I'm the lowliest of the apostles. Yeah. Mm. I'm nothing. I'm a servant. And we've got all these guys trying to puff themselves up and make themselves, I don't know. Yeah. And it's just like, we are called to serve you, basically. And your calling is just as important. We are one body. One body. Different functions. Yeah. Different callings. Yes. One body. Yes. And that's what Jesus wants. But one body, I love what you said, one body, but one head. Mm. And Christ is the head. Mm. No one else is the head. Yeah. Christ is the head. Mm. I think that's, that's, that's awesome. I think we have our work cut out for us because as ministers, when, I, when, when Charles was speaking, I was thinking, how is the church actually equipping him to do his job? Mm. Like, and I think that we fail at that sometimes. Like, we, we don't equip you to do your, to, to do your job properly because yeah. we, don't, we don't impart to you the gifting that you require. We don't impart to you the knowledge that you require and how God actually wants to use you in the position that you're at. Mm. And I think for, for us, it's, it's important. I think, man, so much that we've just said now, but Paul was an apostle. You mentioned it, but he was also a tent maker. 
Mm. So here's a guy that understood what it was like to be in the world and to be working in the world and then understood about what it is to be called by Christ and operating. And I think that's why his epistles, two-thirds of the New Testament, is so sort of equipping to us to say, this is how you should conduct yourself. And then I think to myself, when he opens up in, in Romans, where he says, I greet those of Caesar's household. Like, how far did this guy's influence actually stretch? Like, I greet those, because you only greet people that know you. Like, how, how far, he, you know, being able to, to talk to those people and then having an influence of those people to be able to conduct themselves under Caesar's rule. And remember the first 300 years of the church was persecution. Mm. That I called you to be secret agents. And then you think about uh, Constantinople, or Constantine rather, where Constantinople was named after. He became a Christian. But that's because his mother was a Christian, who was obviously now one of the heads of the Roman leadership. So it took 300 years of infiltrating that organization strategically to be able to position the church in such a way that when one of the royals or the heads opened up themselves to the gospel, you're able to plant that seed. Yeah. You're able to go in and go now, and then they can take the whole of Rome and influence 1,500 years of history going forward. So 300 years of prep got us to a position of influence about 1,500 mm -hmm. years. Yes, that's good. Yeah. So it's like, imagine if you had that mindset going into your organization, whether it be, imagine you had that mindset in terms of where you planted your business. One of the heads of the organization that I was working for actually came to pray with me when I was working in Randburg. I don't know if you remember that situation where she would actually come every Friday morning at seven o'clock to meet me up, which was a challenge for me because I had to be at the office at seven o'clock in the morning to pray, right? So, because I actually started a prayer meeting in the workplace, booked out one of the meeting rooms and uh, I actually wrote a message to the local CEO of our business unit to say, look, I'm going to start a prayer meeting and he's more than welcome to join. And so he took it to his manco and he was like, are you guys aware that the prayer meeting is, <laughs> you know, that someone is raising up a prayer meeting? And so I did this prayer meeting and, and uh, uh, I got a bunch of Christians together. And the problem with that, though, was I found the diversity that existed in the kingdom and people believes different, mm. which kind of yeah. rocked the apple yeah. cart quite a lot for me and I was like whoops <laughs> I think I'm equipped to deal with this but then this woman contacts me uh, and she's sort of fairly senior in the organization and so every Friday she came to me and she, she prayed with me now one of the organizations that I, that, that I work for uh, their logo was a particular thing and uh, while I was uh, praying I saw this logo everywhere where they actually opened up in Africa and in Asia and I began to see, and the Lord said to me, wherever this logo was planted, what I could see, the Lord was infiltrating his church there. Mm. Because there were a lot of Christians in our organization, because the organization is like 30,000 employees plus. So now you've got a lot of Christians and a lot of this influence actually happening there. And it's like so important for Christians to actually understand their, their purpose and what they're called for mm. and understand wherever this organization went across Asia and across into Africa, this organization indirectly begins to fund the church because how many people from their own salaries begin to fund the church because they start tithing, yes. they begin yeah. to sow. And now God plants them in those areas and you can actually see a revival. And it's almost like God is going ahead and creating the infrastructure for revival yes. to happen. And it doesn't come through the church because the church doesn't necessarily have the means, yeah. but the corporate world does. I think it's such an important thing to know that you are called and it's like you can't underplay that that, that thing because if you know that you are called 
then you know that you'll be strategic mm. where you're placed. And, mm. and intentional. And, and you'll be intentional. So you, you won't just rock up at work doing what you're doing, but you'll actually start asking the question. You shall ask the question, Lord, what do you do with me at my work? Because if this is where God has called me, there has to be a reason. Mm. And you'll start being strategic. And uh, and you can't underplay that. It's 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 vitally important mm. just to know, God, what do you want to do here? Mm. What do you want to do? Mm. Because there's there's purpose behind it. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you so much, Charles. That you know you need to calling is so important, and you need to know your calling. But I think just on what you said about how Paul was also a tent maker, a lot of guys because they they are believe that they are called for, let's say, ministry, full-time ministry. They want to preach. They have a passion and all of this stuff. They leave their business place that God is actually using them in, and he's, he's got a bigger picture. He's using that company, and that's what he's using uh, to advance the kingdom. They leave that to go and start their own church just because they want to preach. Mm. And I think they miss that whatever they are doing in the workplace and when they are busy on a Sunday, maybe helping out in a service somewhere, that is all kingdom. Yeah. And you don't have to leave your workplace not to go and preach on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. If you are busy in children's ministry, as an example, um, or you're ushering, or maybe you're assisting a pastor, maybe you're, you're a pastor in a church and you preach on a Sunday, but you also work, don't leave the one mm-hmm. just for the other, unless the Lord tells you to. Yeah. Um, and, and you really, you know, you believe and, and you've got scripture, you've got confirmation from people yeah. um, and, and you've got accountability, then then fine. But don't just leave the workplace to go and set up shop on, of another church. I mean, we've got a lot of churches around here. If God is still using the workplace to advance his kingdom, and I think that we mustn't ever think that God isn't using businesses yeah. and companies. Yeah. Um, God spoke to, to Adam and Eve in the beginning, and he said to tend the garden, mm-hmm. to, to, to be uh, fruitful and multiply. And that doesn't just mean babies, 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 and more babies. Um, to, but everything that they touch, it must multiply. They must tend the garden. Whatever they, their hand finds to do, do it to the glory of the Lord. Have dominion, increase, advance. Let what you do overflow. And that means in your workplace, yes. cause your company to advance in so many ways that they need you. They, they, the company wouldn't be what it is today without you being yeah. there. I think that, that, that sort of brings the excellence of the kingdom. Yes. That brings the excellence of the kingdom and how you're supposed to be. So that whatever you put your hands to, you can give glory to the Lord. And whatever you do, you do it unto God. You don't do it unto me. Yeah. And I think that to me is very important as well. Um, and I've seen that in our workplace because I was in a position to look at stats. And the type of job that I do now is I'm a, people use a particular tool and I actually get to see the stats come through that tool that goes into management and the management then says like how well people are actually working. And so one of the things that I found very interesting is a lot of people who profess to be Christians are pretty average in their stats. They were not very good. And I think we have this misconnection of like what it is to be a Christian in the workplace. Yeah. Because they're kind of just like, oh, I'm just, you know, just going to get by. I'm just getting another paycheck. But they're not fully committed in buying, bought into the vision of the, of the yes. organization. And I think about the organization that we work for is that, uh, well, you and I work for, for sort of very similar organizations. But the organization we work for, it's that they do so much for their employees. Yeah. Imagine if all that workforce would actually do so much back for the organization. Yeah. Not just go there and do my job, mm. but actually just believe that I'm blessed here by God. 
where God has situated me, that's where he's called me to be. Because if he wanted me to be somewhere else, he'll make a way for it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like God's going to leave me in a position. If God really wanted me to move, he would move me. You know, you wanted his job to move, he'd move water for them to get to yes. I think a lot of times we see miracles happen in people's lives purely because they actually didn't move. Mm. You know, I think people who go ahead and move, God doesn't need to, the, you know. Yeah, he doesn't need to intervene. Yeah, he doesn't need to move the sea. Because they built a bridge and we'll, we'll go. <laughs> but I think it's vitally important for you to understand the value that you are to the kingdom, the value that you are to the organization and understand your role and wherever that is that mm. God has placed you, that you be in that position, be content. Not meaning, being content doesn't mean that I must not want more. You know, or be stuck in a position for 15 years where you treat it badly and you're not actually advancing or growing yeah. or doing anything. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's that's yeah, a very good point. I think, but it's very important for us to actually position us to saying God's eyes on the sparrow, he's got a bigger vision, mm. he sees things from a higher place. Yeah, he he sees the end story from where we are. Mm. We just gotta keep walking and he'll begin to direct the road where he wants you to go. You know, you're just going to keep pressing towards where God wants you to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, just something I wanted to add on was calling is not a high and lofty thing. Yeah. And some people think that, that it's a thing where you need to go out into the mountains and fast for 40 days and figure out what your calling is. And I mean, that's all good if you want to do that. <laughs> Let us know how it goes. <laughs> if you don't come back, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's, it's really not a high and lofty thing. Yeah. It's a God has created you with purpose. Yeah. I think uh, for me, um, you know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, giving your best in a company. I learned that the other way around. Because <laughs> I didn't give my best. And they were like, uh, your contracts come to an end. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, it's because, and I gave so much into church. Like yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every prayer meeting all yeah. the time. I yeah used to bleed and sweat church. Like that's it. Monday nights I got to breathe. Mm. Um, but even then I was praying and prepping for cell on Tuesdays. Mm. Um, and then to wake up and then sometimes I'd spend time with God at night and it would go all the way to one and two o'clock yeah. in the morning. And it was amazing times with the Lord. And then to wake up at like early hours in the morning and try to get to work and still be on point. And I didn't care about the workplace. Um, it's only after meeting you guys and <laughs> you guys and learning, oh, okay, I got it all wrong. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was just saying as well, the calling isn't this high and lofty thing, but it's God is a, God is a practical God. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is very relevant. He, it's, it's so easy. It clicks. Yes. Um, you know, yes, you have the people where God calls like someone to Indonesia and like, if that's you, awesome, God bless you. Yeah. But for those who God has called you to, you know, your workplace in Joburg or your workplace and wherever you are being faithful in that that's what's important yeah because it actually preps you to be a good steward because then you can handle excellence yes. and i think when you handle the kingdom you handle excellence yes. and it's like how can you touch gold if you can't even you know organize the clay mm. so to speak you know how can god prep you to be in higher courts in higher places if you can't take care of the lower things and i think if you change your mind and change your attitude it actually your calling unlocks because I've never had that burning bush experience. I didn't have that where God said to me, you know, Nicholas John Bruton, bow called. You know, <laughs> I didn't have that burning bush experience. That was great. I, I just actually, I thought like, 
to me, I just did what I thought was right mm. in the sense of how the word was leading me. And I thank God for the church that I was in because I was taught the fear of God. I actually used to sit at the back uh, with all the other sinners because you sitting too close, you were aware of the fire at the altar. And I am one of those guys that believe with, through a principle that the book of Proverbs speaks of, don't, don't invite yourself to the table be invited to the table mm -hmm. and don't eat all the food that they placed before you, you know, lest they say that you're a glutton, mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't abuse the position that you're in, but rather be invited mm -hmm. rather, rather look somebody and say, you're pleasurable come and, and, and imagine how pleasing that is. You know, when you have a CEO that says, you know, I actually want Charles in this meeting because he's got something that, that adds, you know, he contributes towards this organization or have God say to you, I want Nicholas at the table when I'm making a decision. You know, I want, I want to be able to tell Nicholas, this is what I'm going to do in the earth because, because he's earned the right to know that because I can trust him with information. Mm. I can trust him with position. I can trust him with power. And I think meekness is so important to your calling because meekness is resilience. And so sometimes when, when you are, uh, uh, you, you know, when you think about what happened in our country with looters and stuff and people going crazy, how much resilience did we need? Is that the right word? Resilience, where people didn't lose control. But meekness teaches you that because meekness is controlled strength. So I don't, I can't just go, let me wipe everybody out of this power and go, Oof, mm -hmm. you know, like what Jesus could have done. He actually had resilience. He actually, he actually withheld his power on the cross. And, and I think a lot of times meekness must go hand in hand with all the other things that God gives us, but understand your position where God's called you with the same level of meekness that he gives you so that you have this resilience and understanding that when I'm in a position, I don't abuse the position. Yeah. When God's given me authority, I don't abuse authority mm -hmm. because I understood what it took to get me there. I understood the early hours in the mornings, praying, pressing in to get into the presence of God and then have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to be in Santon by or six so that you could leave at three o'clock so that you could do cell, that you could do Bible college, that you could do youth, that you could do, you know, there, there is a certain, there's a certain discipline yeah. that goes with being called. And the more you practice, and that's why I'm a believer of your calling grows. That's why your calling can change. Your calling can become more. You can, you can do more things in the kingdom of God because the more God begins to trust you, the more he begins to release to you. Yes, well, that's so true because he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. Yeah. So can God trust I was, you? I was just reading from the NIC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm New King James. It's you know. <laughs> a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, but can God trust you with the job that you're in? Yeah. Do you give your all in that place? Yeah. With what he has placed in your hands, are you found faithful with it? Even if it's just a home group, a home salt, mm. uh, being part of a worship team, maybe it's being an usher in a church. Yep. Do you give your 150%? Do you give 100%? 100% of the time. Yep. And I think that that's so important because it's being aware that whatever you do, you're doing it for God. You're doing it for your father in heaven and that he is watching over the work that you do. Mm. It's not like behind closed doors now, well, it doesn't matter. I can slip up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, my boss isn't here. So, you know, let me just scroll on Instagram all day. <laughs> I, I was like, God, <laughs> I am that guy. God's dealing with me. Um, <laughs> but but it's, uh, it's being aware that everything that I'm doing, this is, this is work unto the Lord that yes, I've got my boss. Um, even in ministry, I've got my boss, but <laughs> 
God is is also my boss yeah. that he's called me to this yeah. and I need to be found faithful with this. I need to be found faithful in everything he's called me to. He's called me to my marriage. He's called me to my, my kids. He's called me to my household. He's called me to the finances. Am I being faithful in this that he's called me to? But before you go there, I want to actually ask you this question. Does it ever feel like you felt that you have lost your calling? Oh. <laughs> I'm always yeah. going to keep it real, yeah. I'm going to keep yeah, it real. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and for yeah. you, for you, Sean, did you ever feel like you lost your calling or did you feel like, oh, I'm called because I'm in tax? Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think anyone's called in tax. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, this Matthew, Matthew was called in tax. No, Jesus called him out in tax. So I don't think that, that I've ever realized that I lost my. Or the, like not realize, but like, does it feel like you've ever come to a place where you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't feel like I'm, I'm adding value. I'm contributing. God doesn't want me in the place. Does it feel like you've lost your point? You see, gone with late. Yo, you see, God, that's me every day. Yeah. That's me every day. I'm like, <laughs> no, I, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I'm not called today. Woe is me. So I think when it comes to like my work, um, I believe that that hasn't disappeared um and i don't think it's like i've never experienced what you guys <laughs> are experiencing no context <laughs> but, but i think when you do things that is in service of, of the lord that's where i can kind of relate when you do things for the ministry and because i know i'm called yeah but if, as soon as i do stuff in service then mm. i kind of feel like oh like am i qualified enough Mm. Am I good enough? Like sure, because I think that's where the that's where the sort of like the pressures are, if I could say, between the different kinds of callings, is that that I think being aware of I mean, I don't know if it's different for you, but being aware of the holiness of God, being aware of the standard of God. It's not to say that now all of a sudden we want to attain to some self, some you know, like a a false righteousness, but mm. it's like you're just aware the closer you come to God, the further you are, you realize that you're from him. Mm. because you're just so much more aware of how bigger this thing goes, like how deeper it goes. Yeah. Sometimes you've got this place with God where it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, I don't want to go. I don't want to know. more. I just, I don't, I just don't close my Bible. Sometimes I walk circles around it because every time I open it, I'm like, because ah. <laughs> I get it more than what I give it because you're the head, yes. you know, you're, 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 there's a certain responsibility on you. And I think the pressure is different because it's almost like you, like you said, like, you know, if I want to go on leave and I work for an organization, I just, you know, dear boss, I'm going on leave. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Where with God, it's like, I've got to check in with God for me to take leave. Yeah. Like, is it okay for me to go here? And God's like, no, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to them. <laughs> but is it okay for me to be with my family? Is it okay on Christmas to be with my family or do you want me to be with the church? Is it okay for me to be, you know, in this place or that place? What do you want from me, Lord? You know, and I think getting woken up at two, three in the morning because of spiritual things or because of the atmosphere, what happened on Saturday night, we started praying before the meeting took place. You were aware of things. There's a certain pressure that comes. I'm constantly aware of when last I fasted and when I need to fast again. Not to, to say that this is a standard that I preach to others, but this is a conviction I live under. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, like so many times I romanticize, I fantasize, I romanticize, if you will, eating a piece of steak, right, at a restaurant with a good glass of wine and I don't drink, right? Or having just a night of, you know, where you're able to switch off for the week and have some whiskey at the end. 
and you romanticize that stuff because you just have this conviction not to do it. Mm. And I'm not saying I'll be more holy or less holy if I do. I just have this thing of, no, no. yeah. It's like, I just, that's not what God wants for you. And it kind of, you know, when, when others are buying jet skis and quad bikes and all those mm. kinds of things, you find yourself putting your money into microphones and stands <laughs> and mixes so that, you know, the youth guys can take it and then not put back a thing that yeah. they were supposed to, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, so all other people just, you know, don't, don't pack up the mics and then we lose them. So, so you, you have this thing where you're, const- you're constantly pressed to do something for the Lord. And I want to I just go back one minute because I want to go where you were talking just now about being called to being a father, a husband, a, you know, a wife and all those things. Before we get there, I want us just to touch on, on, I know we talked about losing your calling, but there was something that you said earlier about uh, church and about being called into ministry and about people going into ministry. I want to give this as a warning. In the days uh, of Paul and the Jewish custom, when they found 10 men in a particular village or a particular area, they planted a synagogue. That was the standard to, to open up a synagogue. That was the standard to open up a church because Paul uses that same mentality to open up a church. In the church of Philippi, he writes to the woman who opened up her house for him to have the church, meaning, meaning that he couldn't find 10 Jewish guys. Mm to be able to do that, yeah. right? So it's safe to say based on my interpretation, I could be wrong. But um, what's interesting to me about that is that yet Paul opened up a church, but he never had to suck the ministry dry to pay the bills. He actually went out and worked. Be careful for a church that you're in where ministers are manipulating you to get money from you to be able to live. Be careful for ministers that try and take advantage of you. Uh, when you're involved with the ministry, you can quickly yeah. see a person's heart or not and whether it's in the right place or not. And you got to be careful for that because if God called you, he would provide for you. I like how one guy said this to me. He said, um, when a minister is reliant on his tithes to make the bills at the end of the day, he said, but I didn't call you. Mm. God called you. So yeah. why are you looking to me? Yes. Why are you looking to me? And I and I think that we have that problem in ministry more than what you have that in the workplace because in the workplace you're just praying and you're saying, God, <laughs> you know, help me. And I find this contradiction taking place because in the ministry you find this, you know, give and God will give unto you. And then as, as the ministers are the beneficiaries of that, and then it doesn't necessarily work that in, in the corporate world because it's not like somebody walks past your office and says, you know what, it was a good prayer meeting. Here we go. <laughs> somebody is something for the job. And it's understanding the flow of your provision and how God provides for you in different places and actually positioning yourself to be in that. Because if you're walking in your calling, you're walking in your purpose, God will open up that door for you to be able to walk in so that Mm. you're able to get that provision that God has in store for you. And I think we've just got to be careful for that because where you are, love believes all things. And the most gullible people that I've ever met are pastors. It's it's a true story. Love believes all things. But be careful for you, dear sheep, where you have a hireling looking after you instead of a good shepherd looking after you. A good shepherd, the qualities of a good shepherd is somebody who actually stands in the doorway and when the wolves come, doesn't run away. A good shepherd is somebody who doesn't make you feel like you're not important enough or you don't have to, that they don't have time for you. You must understand that. Be in a position, be in, under a, a good shepherd, be under a good ministry where people genuinely care for you. Mm. And don't 
give because you just because somebody's manipulating you to give. Yeah. You need to give because you really believe in the vision. You really believe that's where God has called you to. Because as God has called you to an organization, as God has called you to the pulpit, God has also called you to the church that you should worship. In. Yeah. And one of my neighbors asked me this question when I met him. He said, Where do you worship? And that was such a beautiful question when he asked me that because he didn't ask me which church you go to. He said to me, Where do you worship? And I was like, In my house, in my car. You know, in my room, where do you wish? You know, but I knew what he meant in the sense that, you know, where do you go to church? And it was such a beautiful way of asking. But consider this part of your calling and your purpose: the wells that you draw from. Mm. Are you looking after that well? Was is the first question, and secondly, is it useful that you're drawing from that well? Is it is it actually equipping you to do what God has called you to in the position that God has put you in? And going back to, does it ever feel like you've ever lost your calling? Romans eleven twenty nine, also twenty seven twenty nine. I think it's in Romans eleven twenty nine. He says this. He says the calling and the gifts of God are without repentance. In the New King James, it uses the words irrevocable. Yes. It means two things. One, when God has called you, no amount of sin, amount of mistakes can remove that calling. And the second thing it means is when God calls you, he doesn't change his mind about you. 11, 29. 29, yeah. So, just to add to that warning is that um, about people... Um, identifying whether it's a good shepherd or a hireling is that um, what do you get from the storehouse? Because Malachi 3 speaks about a gift to the storehouse, right? So, mm. and, and you touched on the other side. <laughs> and you said, what, do you, what, what, what food do you get from your storehouse? What is it that this pastor is giving to you? Because mm. you are, if you're going to invest in the church or in wherever, the company, in mm. it, I say, let me call it kingdom, right? Because kingdom mm. is, it can be anything. Mm. If you're investing, what are you getting from the storehouse? Because yeah, you're yeah. not going to give if you're not going to get yeah. something out of it. Yes. You know? yeah. so, so I think you must be careful of, of the storehouse is, is a place where God wants you to invest in. Yeah. But you need to invest in a place that's actually going to feed you. Yes. And is, is the hireling feeding you or, or, or is the good shepherd feeding you? Yeah. I mean, you need to identify that. Yes. I think um, yeah, just on what you said, and, and it's so true. Um, I think sometimes we're so spiritually minded that we are earthly no good. <laughs> and it's like from a practical point of view, would you invest your money here? Would, come, let's be logical, okay? Is this good ground mm. or are you just throwing money away? Mm. All right. God has called you to be a faithful steward of what he's given you. Yeah. You are to be faithful of your finances. Yep. If you're just throwing away your 10th every single month into a church because they preach that you, you know, God's not going to bless you unless you do it. Yeah. Or I don't know, something like that. You, God's not going to go and check with your pastor. Yes, God is going to bring judgment and, and check with the pastor, but God's also going to check with you and be like, bro, was your brain open? Like, are you awake? Okay, like, come on, you, you, you're giving ya, and this oak. I just had this image of God sitting down with somebody going, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, I, mean, I was on. like, I just saw Jesus with long hair and flops, you know, in California. <laughs> Driving a beetle. <laughs> but like, like I'm, I'm not against the nice things. I'm, I'm not against, you know, being blessed with materialistic things. But if you need to determine for yourself, is the place, is the local church that you're in, is it, you say this, is it a pit or is it a well? Yeah. 
Are you giving into something that is giving you something in return? Mm. Are you growing there? Are they challenging you? Are you a part of, do they know your name? That for me <laughs> is like the biggest thing. I, I mean, you know where I'm going? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Lord, I don't know where you're going, Warren. Tell me. So, <laughs> you cannot be in a church for like five, ten years and the pastor doesn't even know your name. Yeah. Where you can walk past the, the pastor and he's like, are you new here? Or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or like you don't actually, it's what, how are you actually then a part of the vision there? What is actually happening? Why do you come here? Do you come to the local church on a Sunday just because you feel bad and it's a tick off your box? Or are you actually part of the vision? What their mandate is, what God has told them to do. Do you know what their mandate is? Well, I, mean, I think that's the question that I think we have to ask as Christians is, are you at the right church that you're meant to be at? Are you called to the right place? Are you called to the right place? Yeah. But God also knowing, knowing when the wells have dried up. That, for me, that's where I was at. The wells had dried up, and I was getting dehydrated because I had nothing else to drink from. Yeah, it's like and it was it's, time to move. It's like an Elijah. When the brook dried up, you knew it was time to move. No, but I didn't want to move. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want to. Okay, we're not talking about you know, the Apostle Peter now. We're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about. Yes, but, but what I'm saying is there are indications. But this is so important. It's, it's, it's very important what you're saying. Does it cost me more to go than what I'm getting back? Is there reciprocity? And is this thing feeding me or am I just feeding it and I feel empty and dry? And every time I see a minister, I try and avoid it because he's going to ask me to do something else. <laughs> and I just can't give anymore. Yeah. Like, like exactly what you're saying is if the brook has dried up and the place is not feeding you, baby, what are you doing? But in the same breath, it's not all about you. So don't now, now you're in church and you're giving and you're like, now the pastor must preach a nice message and, oh, I'm offended and I'm yes. leaving and, you know, I, yes. I just believe my season is done. Yeah. Like, no, no. Like, like for me. A day isn't a season. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think be wise, be a good yes. steward. You are called to God's vineyard. You are called into his yeah. uh, harvest. You are laboring his yeah. harvest. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, be led by the by the Holy Spirit and be diligent with what he's placed in your hands. But pray, get confirmation, take the time before you just step. Like that's what I did. And I believe that I did the right thing. Yes. I waited. I believe it, it took some knocking on the head and, you know, a lot of conversations with you. But but let's talk about that for a moment, moment because what does, what do, what do those people there need to hear in terms of, how can they learn from your mistakes or where you did it right? Um, because I'm, I'm like this. I like how T.D. Jakes says it is this way. He says, I'm a loyalist. He says, You've got to, I've got to be in great persecution before I move. Mm. Uh, and I found myself, I, I really struggled to quit anything. Like I really suck at quitting. I don't like quitting. I don't like tapping out. I don't like, because I feel like if you quit, you give up. So how do I know, like, because I wasn't sent, because that's what you're waiting for. Mm. You're waiting for somebody to walk past you and go, I felt something spiritual. You are sent one. <laughs> and you go like, oh, look at me, I'm sent. And then you run. But how do, how, do I, how do I know and what do I do? Because I had to do this. I wasn't uh, in the church that I was involved in. I wasn't a minister. I wasn't at that, that level. I was just a, a cell leader, you know, just a home group leader. And I think... I think I just stepped up to being his own supervisor. I can't remember. But one of the people that I knew, I 
sat and she was talking to me about the same thing that you're talking about. The wells dried up and, you know, the, you know, the brook has stopped running. The birds stopped feeding me. The bears don't even come out anymore. You know, Bambi is not there to greet me anymore. And I think it's time to go. And I sat with her and, and the pastors actually knew of her situation and knew it was taking place, one particular pastor. And I said to her, um, Susie, I believe it's time for you to go and it's okay, you can go. And she, when I said that to her, she just sat back and she went, like, I needed to hear that. Thank you. Now I'm like released. Now I can go. Because I was in this position of leadership and I was positioned in this, minute, in this ministry. But how for other people, how do they know it's time for them to go? How do they know? How can they learn? If you had to go redo what you did, if you had to go back, because I, I, I do that all the time. I go back to, if I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I could have done it differently. But how do I go back? If, if you could go back, how would you fix that? Knowing how stubborn you are. Um, sure. <laughs> I just thought I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Look, I just want to put it out there that I believe I did everything the way that I should have done it. Okay. I believe, and, and God showed his hand in such a way that everything, the way that I did it was blessed. Yeah. There was so much favor and everything fell exactly in line to the smallest detail. Mm. Every prayer was answered. Um, so the three-year, was it a three-year journey? Three-year journey was worth it? Two-year journey was worth it? No, so I'd say um, yo, uh, there was, there was from, a from time, the time that you knew that you had to leave to the time that you actually left. It was, it was a year. It was about a year. Um, so things were happening just before a year and I was sussing out what is happening. I got an opportunity to go and be appointed as a youth pastor down in Jeffreys Bay and I turned that oh. down. Because I was like, no, no, because because, I, no, because the way that I was taught is you have to be loyal. Yeah. You have to lay your life down. This yeah. is where you are. And there's nowhere else but here. And I gave my life for this. And I laid it down here. But, and I was happy to do so. I was, I was happy to do so. But it started to affect so much like my own mental health. It started to affect my relationships. It started to affect my relationship with Jesus. Mm. I would get, I, I used to get panic attacks when I needed to go pray. Mm. When I wanted to go spend time with Jesus, that's when I got panic attacks because mm. it got so hectic. Why though? Because I, there was such a, a weight of fear and, and this, this, this uh, it almost felt like I was running my life to an end and, and God was not going to meet me on the other side. Mm. It, it was almost like I'd gone stupid in my head. I, I had told myself a lie to such a point that I believed my own nonsense and, and everything else is, it's all made up and, and uh, I'm cooked. Um, and good, it, Cause when I was in, sorry to cut you off, but when I was in a similar position to me, it felt like I was on this train and this train was speeding and I knew that there was a wall at the end of this train, yeah. but I couldn't get off. Yeah. So to me, when I had that similar thing, it felt like I couldn't get off here. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to let go. Yes. And this thing is flying and there's so much stuff working because the church also becomes sort of, you know, overbearing in terms of there's this expectancy. You've got to pitch up all the time, pitch up, and yeah. then you've got to be hundred percent for your boss and you can't be hundred percent for your boss. And it's like, but then there's this manipulation that takes place between hundred percent for Jesus, hundred percent for your boss. And then you're like, God, I'm confused. What do you want yeah. me to do? Just a question that I can ask, um, which is kind of along the similar lines. I want you to ask it. What about people who kind of, they're not sure whether they are, they know that they're called, but they're not sure whether what they're doing now is the right thing or not, whether the 
position that they're in is what God wants them to do. Like how do how do people get clarity if, you, if, if you're unsure? Like okay. you like you know you're called, but yeah. You're like, but you're not quite sure. Like is I'm not saying do I change a different job. Um, so for example, like um, if I'm in the if I work for a bank and and I need to change job and I go to a different bank, I'm still in my in my line of calling. Yeah. I'm, I'm speaking about how do you, if you're uncertain about your calling, like whether you should be a teacher or you should go to full-time ministry or you should go to like work for a bank. I'm talking totally different things or be unemployed, whatever the case is, I'm just throwing it out there. How do you know when you're uncertain? Like what does person do? Okay. Let's come back to that. Um, towards, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll come around. Yeah. We'll circle to yeah. Um, just to answer back with, with Nick. Um, yeah, so I think for me it was this, this frustration of I am not called unless someone else who is the, the pastor of the church or the whoever else <coughs> affirms or confirms or, or whatever the word affirming, whatever, says you are called, you are this, you are that. And I, I waited for this. And I, I finally got the revelation um, I believe the Lord said to me that I called you. Mm. And I was reminded of the day where, where the days where I experienced God's presence in my house and where the, all of these passions came up. And, and when I took up a leadership position in the church, nowhere along that entire period of time was any man of God that laid a hand on me and said, you are now called. Nowhere along the line. Mm. But I remember experiencing God's presence and people uh, affirming this, confirming whatever, saying they see this coming upon me, a jacket or something like that. But there was no physical of that kind of stuff that had happened. But it was God who said he had placed his hand on me and he has called me. And during this whole frustrating period of time, knowing that I need to be loyal and I need to stay the race and I need to carry on. Here this opportunity is for me to go there and I, I turn it down and I say, no, get behind me, Satan. And I carry on here. Yeah, you know, I give myself, yeah. But now the brooks have run dry. There's no finances coming in. There's no job. There's no nothing. Everything is gone. And now I'm actually becoming a burden to other people. And I'm hating my life. I'm, I'm down a spiral to where I'm actually struggling with depression. And I'm fantasizing suicide. And it, it, it got to such a really bad point. And I remember having conversations with you. And Nick was saying, your season there is done. God is calling you to make your on. bags and go. <laughs> and, and, and he was saying your season actually ended a while ago. Um, you, it's now become detrimental to your own health. You're injuring yourself. And it was injuring my relationship with Jesus. I didn't want to talk to Jesus. I, he hurt me. Mm. Because my pastor hurt me, Jesus hurt me. Mm. And I got that so wrong. Yeah. That, and, and you said this, and it's so amazing, that God is not like my pastor. Mm. And that's, that was so amazing to hear. And the God called me. God purposed me. And one thing that just helped me, and maybe it'll help one of you, is Psalm 139. God just spoke that over me, that he called me. He placed his hand on me. He knew me. He, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows all the days of my life. He placed me here. And it took me back to everything that's happened in my life and how God has been there. That it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about me. What matters is what he says about me. And when I consulted the Lord, he kept saying, you are mine. Mm. He kept saying, I've called you. He, he kept saying, I'm positioning you. There is more ahead. There is more. There is more. 
And then uh, for that final year, uh, um, just before um, I left, it, it was about a year where uh, after I'd spoken with Nick and I'd said, no, get by me, Satan, this guy's demonic and he doesn't understand the principles and he doesn't understand how, get, how this works. The devil's just using you know, someone else. Mm -hmm. Yes, he wants to get me off course, you know, <laughs> um, because that, that will happen. And I just, I wanted to be sincere for the Lord. There were no hidden agendas. It's just a God, I've given my life to you. And I really, you know, um, and I was turning by the church one night and I heard audibly, maybe I'm cooked, but I heard, um, I've not called you to be appointed yet. And I cried my eyes out. I fasted, I prayed, I repented before the Lord. I lamented before the Lord. And the only thing that God rebuked me for um, wasn't for anything that I'd done wrong. It was he rebuked me for not believing that he's called me for more, for not believing him, for not trusting him. That's what he rebuked me for. Um, and, yeah, he answered everything in such a way that the, the transition worked so well. His hand was over everything. And to the point where now I'm more blessed in so many areas of my life because I followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I moved on when the Spirit led me to move on. I was obedient to the Lord, not to man. Not to say that you don't submit and stuff like that. I believe in submission. But it's to say that God called you. God purposed you exactly like the verse that you said. That the calling, the gifts and call of God are without repentance. But understanding that he called you, um, no man did. Mm. Man did not anoint you. Mm. God did. Mm. How do you know in an organization where the, you should leave for more? I don't know. I think it's maybe touching to his point that um, it could be that you are blessed there. Mm. Could it be that you've got favor with man there mm. because God has given you favor? Mm. Could it be more. I'm not sure. Um, that's what, and I think that's the part of the question we're asking you to say. How do you know that you are in the right place? To me, I think it's it, you've got to understand that when you're in a particular place. If, if you're not, you touched on it now when you said the blessing of the Lord. If you're not getting the blessing, if you're not in a place where you're doing everything right, you know that you're living a clean life, you know that you're giving your tithes and you're praying and you've given to the vision, you've got a good attitude, you've got a good heart, and you're not growing at all. And there's no blessing, not just in terms of financially, but also the way that you're treated at your workplace. I think then it's time for you to look elsewhere and it's time for you to move on. I think that you should never get stuck. And I think what I loved about what he just shared is any person that's in ministry could relate to what he just said. But I think from an organizational perspective, if you've got your own business, Maybe it's time for you to move on. If, it, if you're in a, in a teaching position, it's time for you to move on. Maybe you work for an organization, a big organization or a small organization. If you are not valued and if you're doing everything right from your side, maybe it's time for you to move on. Because for me, and we'll touch on it when we talk about finances in, a, in another episode, in another session that we have, but you cannot physically keep getting that 6 5% increase every year and then think that you're going to stay above inflation or stay above uh, above what life you know costs yeah. you're going to lose that 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 battle all the time you're you're always going to sit in the background so i think that god is as well as he has called you to a position he's also called you to grow yes and i think the call to growth is where a lot of us miss it because we don't grow in the positions that god has planted mm -hmm. us we don't grow by the brook. We don't grow by the waters that we've been planted because we don't. Uh, there's something wrong with our root system. 
we're not getting the correct nutrients. We're not surrounding ourselves with, with you know, with the correct people, the correct things. Um, and I think part of your calling and your purpose is you need to understand as, as a child of God, that God has more for you always. And I like what you said earlier, where you have that bigger picture. And if you're in doubt, I like, I like the saying, if you're in doubt, go with that. But go till God says no. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, so <laughs> you don't go without. But but go till go. God says no, because because here's the thing: as, as we ask, we and it's the same principle. We we had this conversation. I want to close off with this 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 note on the session. When I asked you the question, is it right for you to drink or not to drink? And when I say drink, I mean alcohol. I don't mean water for any of those sitting out there going like a juice. I'm talking about boots, you know, the good stuff, you know, but the rivers. <laughs> Is it, is it right to drink or not to drink? And if your answer is yes, it's right not to drink, you're wrong. If your answer was yes, it's right to drink, your answer is also wrong. What the right answer is, whatever you do in faith. To drink in faith or to drink to not to drink in faith. In other words, to abstain by faith or to drink in faith. Because every decision, that principle, we're not talking about just booze, but that principle is everything that you do in faith mm. is the right decision. Which means that if you take the promotion, you got to take it in faith. Don't just take the promotion because someone gave it to you. Don't just say yes because your boyfriend eventually asked you to get married. Don't just say, just don't, don't say like, I'm going to do this because it's the open doors that goes open or, or go to Jeffrey's Bay or, or go to a nice place or take the bigger job just because the opportunity presented itself. You've got to go because you genuinely believe it. And, and I like what Ron Ash said one day when he was busy. Bishop Ron Ash was praying for people and everyone's like, financial blessing, financial blessing, financial blessing. And he was like, why, 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 why? And everybody was like, oh, they want a bigger house. They want a bigger car for themselves. And the one guy, when he came to him and prayed for him, he said, you want a bigger car or you want more money or whatever. And he said, why? And, and he said to, to, to the bishop, he said, because your vision is so big, I don't earn enough to be able to give into it. Mm. Yeah. And then he turned around and he said, this booger is going to get the big house, going to get the fancy car <laughs> because he was in the right position yeah. because, because his perspective, his vision was in the right place. He had set his eyes upon the Lord and he had given from a belief system that I genuinely believe, believed what this bishop was doing. I genuinely believe what this church is doing. I genuinely believe what this organization is doing. I am here by the divine appointment by God. I am not here because it suits me. I'm here because God actually sent me. I'm not here because my mom got me into the job or my dad got me into the job. I'm here because God actually wants me to be here. And if you don't believe in that, either get the belief or get out. I, I want to touch on being the, the different dimensions of calling. I think... Not just are we we're called to an organization, not only are we called to work for the Lord, not only are we called to the pulpit to preach, not only are we called to suffer with Christ, not only are we called to the cross, not only are we called to the spiritual things, not are we pressed to call to higher things, but we're also called to the simple things. And mm. we're called, and I love the one of the songs from Jason Upton where he, he actually says holiness and the simple things. You know, I know you remember that song. Yeah. But but <clears throat> you're called to be a father, you're called to be a mother, you're called to be a husband, you're called to be a wife. And to me, I think if you approach your marriage and you approach your family, understanding uh, that you're called to it, I think you change your attitude towards it. Me as a person who works and both does ministry work, 
Um, one of my frustrations is actually family and his personal life because a lot of times I feel like they get in the way. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you were talking about, you know, devil get behind me. I'm kind of like, yeah, this is the devil just trying to slow me down. You know, and, I'm, and I remember the one time I was so upset, had to change my heart, had to repent and everything because my wife started doing this Bible school on Tuesday nights. And so I was like, cool, I'll, I'll stay at home with baby and... <laughs> You know, I'll take care of baby and baby only wants mommy and baby doesn't want me, doesn't want nothing to do with me and he doesn't want to go to bed. And um, I remember being so frustrated the one day and I'm changing his nappy. And obviously when he's home with me, he's not going to go to bed when he's supposed to go to bed. And my wife, when he rocks up at 10, hoppers 10 at night and he's still lying there in the back going, la, 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 <laughs> kicking at the teddy bears or whatever. And I'm lying next to him going, I did nothing tonight except lie here <laughs> and waiting for him to fall asleep. And I remember changing his nappy once. Uh, he's going to thank me when he's older because I'm going to remind him about how I've changed his nappy. But, but I remember changing his nappy and I hear the Spirit of the Lord say to me, I've called you for this. I've called you to this. And I think to me, when I heard that, it changed my attitude. Now, you are a married man and you have children and we think it's yours. Um, <laughs> you're not a married man yet. <laughs> you didn't put a ring on it. <laughs> um, how are you guys responding in, in marriage and family and, and how do you respond in your relationship? Because I believe you're dating somebody, you're courting a, a little lady. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, That's if she hasn't found someone else better, right? <laughs> um, yeah, by now, <laughs> the opportunity is being given. Father, youth minister, the bigger, bigger ministry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, I never saw fathership or fatherhood, sorry, fatherhood as a calling or family. For me, I laid down everything for Jesus. Mm. I was, to give up my family for Jesus was like, <laughs> die Jesus, it's fine, it's fine. I never wanted to be celibate though. That was one day I was like, God, I'm not like Paul. Like, I do want to like. But um, I never thought that God, that that is something that God calls you to. Yeah. And I remember um, talking to one of, one of the youth uh, guys and while they were still teenagers and I, I, I woke up and the first thing on my mind was Jesus. Yeah. I went to bed talking to Jesus. So that was literally my life. Not because I'm already, because I need him so much. So I was like, there's more light coming to this <laughs> No, because I'm repenting all the time. So I, um, no, and so, um, yeah, I was just so focused on Jesus. And the one day we were sitting and we were having a conversation with these young guys. And I was like, what is your calling? What's your purpose? You know? Mm. And yeah, I'm thinking, because sometimes, you know, while speaking to people, I'm aware of like what God has called for their mm. lives and their purpose and stuff. And this guy says, I'm called to be a husband and a uh, dad. That's my first, the, the person. And I was like, bro, you sit like, <laughs> you're, you're wasting my time. Sit down. So and, yeah, so like, uh, you know, is there any anointed people in there? <laughs> that Paul has yeah, to do. I was like, yes, so time. And in that moment, just as I judged, I was like, yo, I'm such a bad person. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm so wrong. <laughs> And I was so aware that, wow, how amazing, out of the mouth of babes, teenagers, yeah. Yeah. that this guy has a right. Yeah. That 
he wants to be a good dad. Yeah. He wants to be a good and a faithful husband. Yeah. That's what God has called yeah. him to. Before anything that he can do, before yes. any work, before any sort of operational thing, because I think that's what we sometimes do. God, what what is God's purpose for me? What what is his purpose for me to do? What am I called to do? Yeah. And it's not so much a work. Yes, that flows, but it flows from who you are. And you've touched on that yeah. in this whole series. Yeah. Out of your being flows your doing. Yeah. You're first called to be, then out of your being flows your doing. Mm-hmm. And that's good. When you are in Christ, you stuff flows. You mm-hmm. are in Him. Mm-hmm. Work flows. When you are in who He says you are, when you are a father, the work flows. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You are a husband. Yeah. That stuff flows. And I was so amazed. I was like, this this person is. He, he he's, he's got covered. more of a like head screwed on than I do. I was like, I need to learn from you. Teach me, teach me. Um, and I was so like, wow, I just kid. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think for for me, it's um, it's such a responsibility. Like it's such a mindset when you realize that you're a husband and then you a father. Yeah. Um, especially when you come from a, a background where things weren't so lacquer, where where you didn't really have a, mm. a good dad or a good mom. Mm. And then you see the opportunity that you have. You see the function that you have, that you can actually change the, traje- the trajectory of mm. your lineage yes. down the line. And then you, then you suddenly see, sure, this is like calling, like you're saying, to be a husband is pretty important. Calling yeah. to be a father is pretty important because you want to actually stop all the messed upness if i can call it that yeah that yeah. you experienced as a child yes. and that your family that you saw like from your family down the line you want to stop dead where yeah. you are yeah yeah and when you realize that and and i can tell you now like 90 percent of people come from messed up homes mm. if you can realize that and you can stop that and say i'm gonna raise these kids the best that I, that I can to know that we are in such a privileged position for cara to be at home to raise mm. up these kids knowing my background mm. um, that if I can change if I can just be the best dad that I can and change mm. that trajectory mm. imagine their kids and their kids and their kids and mm. then you realize the responsibility how serious it is mm. in addition to your calling in terms of um, kingdom um, but fatherhood but is, that is kingdom it yeah. is your fatherhood is kingdom what is more kingdom than fatherhood mm. because you're being like the father mm. You are showing the father to your children. You are showing Jesus to your children. In marriage, you're supposed to be showing Jesus to your wife. You're supposed to. I'm not even married yet, but like, you know, this is stuff that I've learned from from you guys. It's like you are supposed to be showing Jesus in your marriage. And when God comes to you, God's not going to come to me and ask me how many kids were in our youth ministry. Yes, there were times where we had a hundred and something kids in our youth ministry. And it was amazing. But it's just, it's almost like it's the same sort of a corporate ladder kind of thing. Yeah. It's always like, yeah, but we need more. We need to push for more. And, you know, where's the thousands? And yeah, that's all cool and stuff like that. But if your household is falling apart, yeah. that's what God's going to ask you about. What did you do with the wife he gave you? What did you do? What did you do with the kids that he gave you? Because if they fall away from Jesus, God's going to come to you and say, how did you represent me to them? Yeah. Mm, that's good. I think for me, I think just when you were talking about, you know, what, you know, coming back and how you've changed uh, the, the direction the family is going. I think what's important is that when, when you understand how much, and one thing we haven't spoken about in the series is the cost of the call. 
Mm. And where you actually, and you realize how much you actually had to pay to be a good dad, how much you actually had to pay to have that clean life of yours, you know, that, and you realize that. So when you see your grandkids busy messing up, you're like, Hey, you don't understand what costs. Yeah. You know, like get yourself to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, you, you step in because, and I think that's also sometimes what happens when you understand the cost of holiness or the price of holiness, or you understand the price and the cost of your freedom to have the freedom in Christ, to make decisions that you want to go by faith in where the direction you want to go. And I think when we talk about the cost of the call, you don't understand what I had to do to keep this marriage together. Mm-hmm. You don't understand what I had to do to keep this family together. You don't understand what I had to do, mm-hmm. how much rubbish I had to eat from my boss to keep my job so that I could keep, you know, putting food on the table. Oh, yeah. And I think when you understand the cost of the call, you understand the value of the call, and then you respond differently to your call. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you understand that at what price it came, I think you appreciate it better yeah. so that when you actually hear god speak to you someone who doesn't waste his words who speaks intentionally you sit and go like okay he, he's not just making chat chat with me because no one else is on the call tonight you know no one else is online mm. so jesus is like who's online you know <laughs> <laughs> like i want to interact but he's actually woken me up to something and i think of peter in the prison when when he was older and uh, he had come to the end of his own road, how the angel had to kick him awake. Mm. Because in the suffering, he has discovered to access the peace of God. So, And that he had to have an angel physically kick him to get into the place where he was actually going to complete his calling and his purpose. And so to get to a place to understand that God will, will move you when he wants you to move, be moved, and to think that I'm so peaceful, <laughs> the same guy who woke Jesus up and said, don't you care that we're perishing, is now the same guy falling asleep in prison. And how Jesus walked out and said, peace be still, he had the same realization that when he sat in the prison, he actually had that peace be still. Angel kicks in. And then it's almost like the angel had to hurry him up to complete his task. Yeah. Because he wasn't, you know, getting there. And, and I think that we should take courage from that or be encouraged from that to understand that God will, will wake you up when he wants you to, to be in a specific position. Mm-hmm. He will actually kick you to get you into the place where he wants you to yeah. be. And as long as you're just willing and submissive to the will of God, to saying, God, you can do whatever and not give him a bunch of excuses to why you're not. Yeah. And God will make a way for you to be able to walk into what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I think it's, I think there's, there's something deep and precious about the fact that God gives you the, the option of salvation, mm. and, but he doesn't, but people tend not to stick up their hand for the cost of following him, mm. for the cost of being a mm. good father, having a example mm. um, to say, this is how to do my life. And I always think like, why, why do people not take up the cost? Yeah. Why don't they choose why do they just, why are they just comfortable with it's enough to be saved? Mm. Meanwhile, you, you're not um, living to, like, there's so much more. Mm. There's so much more than, than just being saved or just being, because there's, there's being a husband, there's being a father. And I think you're so, people are so closed-minded that they don't think about, you often say, Jesus looks down the line. Like mm. God looks, not just at you, he looks at, and Warren's kids, Warren's kids, kids, mm. um, Nicholas Yaval, Nicholas Yaval's, and you go on, and then you and then you think, but we don't want to pick up the, the the cost. Why not? Why is salvation 
enough? Why do people just stop there? I think a lot of people, it's easier to be a child than it is to be an adult. <laughs> It's it depends. Uh, it depends whose house you grow up. In. <laughs> okay. No, but you know, but in every household, it's easier to be a kid than to be an adult. There's less responsibility. There's less for you to manage to do, and ignorance is also bliss. So, I mean, if if you can just run around with your eyes closed as a child doing like childish things, it's it's easier for you. A lot of people don't want to step up to pay the price to become a man, to become who God has called you to be. Yeah. It's, it's that waking up and saying, listen, you can't go on the kiddie field anymore. You're not called to the kiddie pool anymore. Come on, you need to grow up. You know, there's a time when your children can't be in the stroller anymore. They need to be walking. And now we've got a lot of infants who are running the heads of homes. And it's, it's like... It's That's why we are where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's that process is that you were a son or you were, you were a baby then became a son. And then, and then when you were a son, you became a, a man. And yeah. then when you're a man, you become a father. When you become a father, you become a grandfather. Yes. When you become a grandfather, you become a great-grandfather, yeah. or you die, you know? So, but there's always this continuous process. And, and I think it's in everything. And that's why, to me, I genuinely believe in a call that grows. And I think in Philippians 3, where Paul writes and says, I have pressed to the higher calling. If there is a higher calling, there must be lower callings. And then we submit to the lower callings because... We're comfortable with 30-fold instead of being 100-fold Christians. And I think when you understand that you reward, that God is pleased with your fruitfulness, there is a bigger drive for you to be a 100-fold yeah. Christian. Because if yeah. you, because Jesus said this, in, in much fruit my Father is glorified. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that, and you'll always try and press for a 100-fold. But because you are 30-fold, you never got the revelation of wanting to please the Father. And I think for me... I've always wondered, wondered why there are 30-fold Christians. Why is it that, why is the outer courts more intimate enough for you? Why do you never long for something more? And for me, that longing is that thing that continuously presses you to reach the higher calling, is to, is to set your face like a flint to Jerusalem, because that's where I know that I'm supposed to be. That's what happened with Jesus. He said his face is a flint to Jerusalem because he knew that's where I had to be crucified. That's where the work had to be complete. I knew that that's where I had to die. I also know that's where I had to be raised up from the dead. And when I set my face as a flint to the call that God has given me, then I'm not worried about these small things that hinder me, there's foxes that try and spoil the vine because I'm after the whole harvest. Yeah. I don't just care about what you just did there. You just poked a hole in my fence. That's your issue. I'm going to keep going here because yes. the whole, my eyes are set on the flock. My eyes are set on the bigger things. My eyes are not set on the small things. But I think it also, it, to, to your point of Greg, there's a greater responsibility when you are called to higher yeah. things. And I think a lot of us don't want to pay that responsibility because you understand what it requires of you because you've got to say no to a lot of things and you've got to say yes to things that scare you. Yeah. And I think uh, perfect love casts out fear. A lot of times I sit with God and say, I'm scared right now. Where's the love at? How is it going <laughs> <Bring> to <it on. laughs> cast out fear? But to understand that when you are accepted in the beloved, when you have accepted yourself and you, under and you understand that he accepts you, because you're called to be a son and no father ever rejects his son lest he rejected himself first. That if you are accepted as a, as a son, you understand that I'm safe in his love and therefore I'm safe to make mistakes. 
and therefore I'm safe to get fall short because the one thing that my troubles have taught me is the fallibility of man and the fact that there is only one God in this, this show and that I'm not as big as what I thought I was and that I am vulnerable to the things that I cannot see. Mm-hmm. But it is those things that I cannot see that the things that I do see are made of because it is of the world that is invisible that made the things that are visible, right? Mm-hmm. So when I understand faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, I begin to either think that I either choose to be afraid of the things I cannot see, or I begin to embrace the love of the Father and say, this that I cannot see, I trust that what you can see, yeah. and all I'm going to do is know where I'm, where I'm at right now, the position that I'm at right now. I'm going to continuously walk on this road from what I can see, because that which I can see, I can go and do. I can back and achieve. In other words, where you are right now, where you are called, walk in that calling. Be the best of what you can. You cannot see what's going to come, but you have a father who sees what what will come. And because perfect love casts out fear, you know that you have a father that loves you. You love yourself and you are loved in him. And therefore, you have nothing to be afraid of because you have a dad that looks out for you. Yes. And I want to close off with this. Um, because I don't want to keep you guys here for so, you know, forever, but thank you so much that you guys could be here. It was such a blessing for you guys to be here. But I want to close off with this. When God spoke to me for, the, for one of the very first times that I identified with the voice of God, he gave me Mark 2 verse 5. I think it's Mark 2 verse 5. Mark 2, Mark, Mark 2 verse 5. When Jesus said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And I want to hold on to that because everybody needs to hear that they're called to be a son. They're called to be a daughter. They're called to be in the kingdom. And the first calling that God calls you is a sonship. That's the first thing that God calls you to. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that, I remember uh, when we made some muffins for an event that we had for the community. My wife was making these muffins and my son was, he was just a lot lower than the counter. And he had just, you know, started walking and he could eat stuff and, and, after she had put these muffins down, you just see this little hand come across onto the counter and then you take it. And I'm like, Ilana, uh, 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 and then here he goes out and he's just da, 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 eating. And she said this to me. She said, it's right because a son can have whatever is in the father's house. He has access to whatever is in the father's house. And he never has, he never doubts what's his here. And the other day I got upset with him and I said to him, listen, you're not, this is not your house. You don't, this is not your television. We also want to watch whatever we want to watch, not just your cartoons the whole time. And then I, and he said to me, but it's not your house either. It's our house. Because as a, as a son, I mean, having a three-year-old tell you that, but as a son to understand that this heaven, this kingdom isn't just his. Mm. This kingdom is yours as well. Yeah, come exactly. on. And you're called into that. Come on. Yeah. You, have to know, you have to know and believe that you're a son. You yeah. have to. Um, I remember at the function at your mom's house. Um, we were praying there and worshipping. And, and I still remember this. Achilles. It's like one of those defining moments in your life where um, I didn't know what my calling was, nothing like that. But, but that night, God called me to sonship mm. where... It's one thing when, when people tell you that you're a son, that you're a daughter of God, but it's another thing when God himself says yeah. to you. And I, and I believe I heard the Lord tell me mm. that you're my son. Mm. And you have to believe that. You have to have mm. to believe that you're a son. But mm. that's the starting starting mm. point for you to, to, Amen. to go. Mm. 
Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. God bless you where you are. You are called. You have a purpose. In Jesus' name, bless you. Thank you.